Are you ready? Hello and welcome to Canon Question Time <laughs> with your guest today, Scotty G, Scooby D, Scooby G, <laughs> B Matthew, it's all Saturday night. You can put the wine down, son. Ah, uh, get sat, get the wine down, mate. Is everyone has everyone yeah. got a drink? Yeah, I do. Decent. Right. Well, that's a good that's a good intro, Matthew. Since since I've started recording, that'll be decent to to start off with. Put your phone down, mate. FTP. Right. Um. So first of all, cheers for doing this to me, lads. I appreciate it. Obviously, I've been talking about it for a while and um trying to get things together. So um, we'll have a wee chat about it. I've been thinking for a while about doing this and how I could do it, or sorry, should I say we could do it to make it a little bit different to other things that are out there already. But my first thought was we could just have a chat on kind of how we do when, we, when we're all together doing a wee walk around, around the beautiful village of Gullen, is just chat about how the game has differed. Love that, Scotty, with the wee, with the ways. How the, how the game's different from when we like kind of grew up as kids enjoying it. Um, compared to now because obviously it's changed drastically and we'll go through a few different things to chat about and um, one of them be we'll talk about VAR the other we'll do talk about like tackling and and challenges and stuff and um, then we'll chat about how defending's changed as well and then we'll finish off a little bit on what we think uh, what impact social media has had on it all the things we kind of talk about anyway so um, Matthew I'll start with you on VAR what's your like general opinion um, based off like since VAR's come in, how do you think it's done? For you, good or bad, or both? Get it out. <laughs> get, it, get it out. No, I'm being serious. I'm not a fan. That's and this, this is why. I feel like there's such a natural element to the game, right? And it's completely ruining that. Like... I'm trying. I'm trying to think about comparing it to when I used to play, or even like comparing it to like for like to back that up like a striker, right? So if a striker likes to play in the shoulders and likes to get in behind, you used to be able to like cheat a little bit, and that's a, like a nat- that's like a natural skill that you can have in a natural element of the game to try and cheat, uh, playing between the centre half, try getting behind, and VR is completely ruined and taking out that kind of streetwise side of it. And I just think the natural element of the game, which is so beautiful and comes so naturally, it's just been destroyed by VR because everything is is to the um, it's all it's all kind of human human. Um, they're human trying to get judged it. And, they're and trying I to just, get it too perfect. Far too perfect, and I just yeah. I, what I'm trying to say is that natural element. I think is just. It's just gone from the game. Even like trying to follow someone or putting like a little something there or mm. a little nudge of that, you can't get away with it now because the spotlight's on you twenty four seven, and yeah. it's just I, I don't I don't agree with it. And I know the argument for it is well, it's a decider if you know you're. It could be the decider if your team goes down or you don't get the three points or you don't get the goal or whatever it is. But like that's like that's football to me. Yeah, I agree. I'd I'd much rather have it like. Personally, I'd much rather have it how it used to be with like the ref, and if it it was just a game, and that's what happened. If it was if it was wrong, it was wrong. If it was right, it was right. Whatever. Um, has it solved anything though? Because it feels like we're now talking more about decisions now than what we were even back then. Like offside rules, penalties. You're still having that debate 
on yeah. what's good and what's not. I agree. I agree with that. I don't think. I think if anything, it's made the debate made the debate more. I'd agree with that, hundred yeah. percent. What What do you think, Scotty? VAR has been brought in for a reason, right? If the game was perfect before, nobody would have thought of VAR, right? So uh, they need they need VAR for some things, but it's the people doing it and the way they're doing it is ruining football, hundred percent. Some of the calls you've seen recently, that's all human error, and they've got the VAR in front of them. Mm. They've got six lines, they've got dots, they've got. They're just they've gone too deep into it. I think what Matthew was getting at as well, they're they're taking the letter of the law like too literally. I know like mm. Neville and I always make the debate for getting uh, like an ex player in the VR part at Stotley Park, wherever it's called. Um, yeah. because like look at look at the decision that Mike Dean's made at the at the weekend for Patrick Bamford's goal. Like no no ex player in 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 there makes that decision. No one, no one rules that offside. That's the worst. To me, that's the worst one that we've seen. And I yeah. think one thing that's bad about VR now is it's so heavily in favour of defender. Yeah. Like, no striker that I've seen recently has gained from VAR. And, and it used to be the other way around. It used to be that yeah. when before there wasn't VR, that if a striker was able to slightly cheat and like play in between the centre halves so or try and make the running behind, it always went to the uh, favour of the striker and like. Mm. I think I think that's I think that's how it should be. Even I mean I, I agree with that. It's definitely gone in favour of the defender. But even for the defenders, like obviously what we've just seen a few times at the weekend of Gomez and Kilman at Wolves, like even for them, like handballs are just like ridiculous. I mean, the Gomez one maybe a little bit maybe a little bit more than the Wolves one, but both of them, like like Carragher and all that, were saying as ex players is they're running to try and defend the ball. Like how can you expect? defenders to put their hands behind their back and try and defend a modern day attacker who is literally the skill set is to be rapid and be good at 1v1s like how are you expect to defend against that with your hands behind your back you're going to fall flat on your face yeah. football is so complex but it's so simple at the same time but even like if the, off the top of my head now I was even to try and explain the handball rule it would be it's so difficult because there's so many different contexts that it can be in. Because there's mm. a million scenarios that could happen. So that's where I think the confusion comes in. There's like, like if you look at Gomez's handball at the weekend, right, for Liverpool. And what did you think it was a handball or no? The go- I think the Gomez one. I don't. I don't think it is. In my opinion, but I think to the letter of the law right now, it, it is. I think the ball's travelled far enough. Compared to the Wolves, I think the uh, Kilman at Wolves has, has been so hard done by because the balls yeah. came from like three or four yards in, and his hand is in a natural running position where I think the Gomez one, I, I still don't think it's a handball, but to the letter of the law, as VR does, that's always going to get given. Yeah. If you're a striker right now, you might as well blast it. Get the yeah. ball and pass it into the box. If it goes in, it goes in. If it hits a hand, you're getting a penalty. Well, uh, have, they, have they changed the handball rule recently? They did, yeah. They 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 did change it a little bit because they were given like literally it was if it hit your hand it was a pen, and no. now they tried to say like where your arms are and like if it hits a certain part of your arm. That's where I think is the issue is is like they've changed the handball rule. It seems like like if they kept the handball rule before and just used VR to look at that handball rule, then maybe things would be different. But I feel like they've way overcomplicated it. They yeah. asked Conor Cody on the weekend. They asked, "Can you explain what handball is and what a handball isn't?" And he's a Premier League defender, and he had no idea. Yeah. Like, well, I don't actually know. He's like, I don't actually know yeah. if it's to do with hands by your side or whatever. 
He's like, it's just so confusing. And he's a Premier League player. I think, like, I think a big thing, which I don't know how you would do, but I think it should almost be taken in, like, when the ref goes to the screen, like, for example, on the, certainly on the Gomez one, it should be taken into, like, the context of the moment and not, not played down at slow-mo. Because I watched the inside Anfield thing today um, and it showed you, like, the... It obviously, it's, like, it's filming the game. And for the Gomez goal, like, De Bruyne in, like, real time at the camera angle that's, like, quite close to it, De Bruyne smashed it. Like, it's at some pace. Like, Gomez is ran like this. And as De Bruyne hit it, I don't know how he's meant to turn his hand out of the way. So I just think that if you're a pro ref, you should take it in the context of the situation that, like, like it's just not a it's just not a pen. I don't think. I don't think it. I don't think it's a um, pen either. I don't. I don't. I don't think it's a pen at all. I don't. I don't know what Gomez is meant to do there. Like, see if he del- see if he tries to del- if someone tries to deliberately ham handball the ball like that. It's quite obvious. You can't really hide it. So I think that's where they need to try and. Um, Try and fix it. What, yeah, there's what, no intent yeah. to handball it. I None agree. At all. Yeah, I like, think not yeah. that he's not gone like that. He's not tried to stop that. That's just hit his hand. That's not. That's a natural hitting mm. of the. I think to like. I think to to flip it. Um, one thing that I thought of when when I was thinking about this was, because um, because at the time my mate was a Spurs fan was the goal that you remember when um, Sterling scored in the Champions League final uh, not final Champions League. Uh, quarters yeah. against Spurs and they were, they were going mental and obviously he was clearly offside by VAR like it wasn't even a debate so Spurs got to go through so like in that instance like it's probably quite good because the ref is the ref is given it but VAR is clearly showing he's offside but I think the big thing there is is that it was obvious that Sterling was offside so there's no issue but when yeah. they start doing the arm yeah. thing and Bamford pointing and that's like I just don't think it needs to be that. Like they're almost trying to prove I, that it should work. I like I like the idea of football being controversial and it actually being right and wrong, and actually having um, excitement to it and not it being super super precise. Like, and I like the reason I don't like VR is I I like the fact of like one human being or t- maybe two others, the linesman as well obviously trained and stuff and like, you know, um, trained to deal with stuff like that, but there's decisions being made on that mm. and there should be controversy and there should be right and wrong. And cause that's like, that's part of football to me. And how much better is that with a stadium full of fans when the referee's got a decision to make and he's like, it could make or change the whole game. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, exactly. But, that's, but that's what makes I, it so exciting. Yeah. So yeah. And, and let's not, I mean, we could talk for ages on VAR and talk about yeah. how, it's, let's say if there was fans and like now people score and they don't celebrate because like, let's wait for them. Like, yeah. it's a shambles. And yeah, I just think the football should be controversial. It should be right and wrong. It should be heartache. It should be glory. Like it's, it's all of that. It's just all this massive mix of emotions that it's mm. the natural game of football. I think it was a tougher game in the final as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think what you just said there, Matthew, um, is hits the nail on the head because the biggest thing about football is when your team scores a goal. Like that moment of your team scoring a goal. And it's not that like in the past, before, before VAR, like your team scored, you've celebrated, then the ref's given it as offside. It's the fact that like there's, like it takes away that moment, that sheer moment of like 
of um, like joy and excitement. And then it takes like freaking two minutes for them to make a decision. I think that's what the issue is. I'd rather the refs just blow the whistle, said it's offside, and that's it. Aston Villa scored in the 46th second on Sunday. It took six minutes before they played again. Really? Yeah. It was something like six minutes, and they'd only played 46 seconds of football. And John McGinn scored a screamer, and he's sitting there thinking, he's waiting minutes. Yeah. And why was that goal offside as well, by the way? I know. Yeah, rock back out. Do you think that's a joke as well? If you're taking that long, you can't get it like you can't get it wrong when you're taking that long, truly. Yeah, no, I think I just think that it takes too long. I think football is all about flow and it's all about emotion. And the biggest joy of football is when your team scores a goal. Um, and I think there's like just to maybe play devil's advocate because obviously I don't think anyone's really got any good thing to say about it. But using that Spurs and City game as an example, I mean. At the end of the day, that was a clearly right decision. And I think everyone could agree with that. So I think in that instance, I don't necessarily mind it because it was, it was clearly correct. It was fine. Um, but it's when, it takes, it's when it takes so long and they're putting it as Bamford's pointing to go Gosh, through a goal. Would the ref, let's say VAR wasn't a thing, do you reckon, I mean, we'll never know the answer, but would a referee would have been able, do you think he would have been able to make that decision without, let's say VAR wasn't a thing by himself? Um, no, because he, nah, he gave the goal. City had scored. He gave the goal. The linesman in that didn't put the flag up. He gave the goal. Wait, sorry. You're talking about was a VAR in this game? Yeah. In the, yeah, in the City-Spurs game, mine in the Champions League where Sterling scored in the last minute and City were going through and Spurs were out. I think then, it was to make it 4-3. Yeah, and VAR, VAR checked it and uh, he was, it, was, it was obvious he was off at some point in the, in, in the play. Um, so it didn't get given. So... I was like, that's fine because like, it's, made, it's made a correct decision and it's quite clearly obvious. It's when they try and do this whole armpit thing and toe where I just think it's just, they're just trying to aim too much for perfection. Like that's you did the, at the start. The offside rule is so awkward though because it's like, it is fine margins. So then how, if they were to keep VAR but improve that rule, it's such a difficult... Yeah. You know how they would do it. It's probably a case of technology improving. It's I'm, simple effects. Just don't have an idiot on the VAR machine. <laughs> like, have somebody that knows football and it's obvious. Like, Patrick oh. Bamford getting put offside is mental. Yeah, that is mental. Somebody that watches football all the time can see that and go, that's not offside. Cost my fantasy team as well. Yeah. Leeds have kicked off about that. If you want to wait ages to see a decision made, away and watch rugby. Well, look. <laughs> <and rugby>. <laughs> <laughs> Look at, look at that game, for example, though. Leeds, then, so that goal, if that goal counts, which it obviously should, Leeds make it 1-1, and it's like, what, 15 minutes into the game? Yeah. Instead, Crystal Palace are 2-0 up 20 minutes in. Yeah. Leeds are fucked. Yeah, and now Leeds, now Leeds are struggling. It, it totally changes the game. I, I also mean, had a Patrick Bamford double for 80 quid. Nice, so you know when you're bet either, mate. I mean, I think, I think like Matthew said, we could... We could <laughs> we could chat... We could chat about it for. We could literally spend the whole time chatting about it. But I just think it's. I think it's changed the game. I think I actually put down today. Um, we're we're probably we're we are too young to like have realised the change. But I think it's the biggest change in football since the Premier League got started and like Sky came about and then the money came in and that changed football in a way. I think now because if you, if you think about kids that are growing up, you know, kids that we coach Matthew in America and just young kids like they're going to grow up with VAR so they're not going to know any different so it's going to be when they're our age it's going to be okay for them if that makes sense 
you think I, what I think is ruining football is there's so many penalties as well. Yeah. It's an exciting yeah. part of the game. If your team got a penalty, you're like, oh, you're buzzing with it. But you now used you're, to never get a penalty. You watch Man United, you're expecting a penalty every single game, at least one. Yeah. Every time, every time it goes into the box, you're going, that could be a penalty. Yeah. And that ruins the excitement of... It's, it's, it's changed the game, not just in. It's changed the game for the players, which I think that kind of gets me on to the next thing that we should chat about would be, the first thing would be, I think the big thing it's done is it's, it's, it's changed like tackling um, massively and defending because like, like you said at the start, Matthew, players are on the spotlight. Like every foul, every little thing, every little shirt pull is getting looked at. And for everyone that's played the game, or even just knows the game and watch it a lot. Like, that's part of the game. Like, you do a wee shirt pull, you do a wee trip, you can get away with it. Vinnie Jones, Vinnie Jones would have been sent off for fucking grabbing <laughs> Gazza's balls, man. Vinnie, Vinnie Jones would have never played a game. So he would have been suspended all the time. But, but, every five so, I think, like, but on, on the tackling point, um, I think it's making your players need to be different, which is, a, which is, again, like, it's changing the game because I think the players now that, like, suit it, are, are your Fabinho's or your Cantes. Like, if you compare that to, like, a Keenan Vieira, who part of their game was to be able to put in big tackles, right, that would now be definitely deemed as fouls or penalties or whatever. Like, you know, Fabinho's and Cantes and that, that skill set is a lot harder to do because now you've almost got to be dead perfect. Or be a, a defender, a centre-back, be a whoever it is, a Kurt Zuma or a Harry Maguire. You've got to be, like, near on perfect with defending. And almost like literally never go to ground, especially the centre-back, because you're going to get a foul given against you for a little touch. And so that's also another one of these things that, like, as Matthew said earlier, like you, or you said, if, if you look at things in slow motion, it always looks 10 times worse. So when you're, like, some of the tackles now, it's like, it's pretty, like, I know, obviously, the Pickford one on Van Dyke and blah, 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 and then a lot of people were sharing, like, the Van Dyke one against Napoli. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, in like a in a snippet, a little screenshot. Obviously, the Van Dyke one doesn't look good against Napoli, but you've got to remember that like he slid in, got the ball, and yeah, maybe contacted the guy afterwards. But like at the end of the day, you're playing you're playing a game of like a sport where you're trying to kick a thing with your foot. Like there's gonna there's gonna be instances of that. Yeah, um, I agree with that. To link that in with VR, like they need to take that into account when they're making these decisions because you can't send folk off or stuff like that. Even the Pickford one, obviously, it's like it's late and it's a bad one, but. Like at the end of the day, he's, he's trying to like he's trying to go for the ball or block yeah. the ball. He's not. I mean, it's probably a sending off, so it's probably right. not the best example. But that's changing yeah. a lot more without fans as well. Like gone's the need of the first t- five minutes. Make a challenge. Make yourself known. Physical mm. presence. That's gone as well. Yeah. Everyone's just playing football from the very start. But if you you watch a derby, any derby from the last ten years, a tackle's flying in, or is a is a shoulder barge, is a nudge, or something early doors. But you just can't get away with it anymore. Mm, no, you can't get away. With, you can't get away with anything, and I just think that, like, it's making, it's changing the game of football. Is is what I'm trying to get to because you're you're having to deal with those those moments of not 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 doing the things that we're talking about that makes football football. And I think, unfortunately, like everything, it'll evolve and it's going to change. But um, what? here's a question: What if like you're obviously it's made changes now, but it's only been how long has it been around for? Uh, only it was only this season or last season. Yeah, and it was in the Champions League the year before. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we're we're talking like like we've probably not seen we once we've probably seen one or two changes how it's changed the game. 
there'll be bigger changes to come. But even like I was saying, if you think of like a striker likes to play on the shoulders, right, and you're coming up to the youth teams, there's no VR for you, right, because they're not going to do like VAR in like a U16 game or whatever. Do you then need to adapt your game when you, if let's say you get into the first team in that, and do you now have to adapt your game because you can't quite cheat as much or play on the shoulders as much because there's literally this technology that if you're a, if you're a centimeter offside, it's going to call it. And then, or what if you do get into the first team and you do get you get called offside all the time because you're used to playing on the shoulder, but VAR keeps messing up for you, and then you're out the first team and it's hard to get back in. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yes. It's a fair it's a point. Different rules changes the game, isn't it? It's a different rules. It's a, you're playing a different sport almost. It's like a different, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's different completely tactics, different rules to it. it. Surely it's rules. If you're surely it's rules. It's rules that define a sport, and yeah, it's a big diff- That's a big change for a rule. It's a different mode. Yeah, it's just a totally different sport. Yeah, no, it makes it it makes it massive, and then also Matthew, obviously, in a situation we've been in, like it'll it'll change the way a coach approaches the game, right? It'll change the way a coach approaches the game and, and coaches his teams and does this and that. So it's, it's going to have a big... Teams are playing a high line. Teams are playing higher lines because of it. When yeah. VR came in, Liverpool, Liverpool started doing it. They also defend... Teams defend higher from set pieces because as a defender, you know, like you can cheat a little bit and VR is going to be on your side so you can play higher. Things, things like that affect massively. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's a good thing in some ways though. It's making it way more attacking. Teams want to play forward. And try and score more goals. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say so. Actually, it makes, it makes it way more exciting for a counter attack as well, no? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, because counter attacking right now is, I mean, it's quite a big thing. So no, I'd, I'd definitely say so. Yeah, it does yeah. have benefits, but I think like I think like we just said, we're literally in the infancy of it, and it's never, it's not going to be perfect, and it might get sorted out, and it might make it better. Um, but I just think that it's like we're saying it's gonna it's gonna change the game so much and it's gonna completely change how players view it, coaches view it, kids view it, and people view it. It's gonna yeah. be different. Here's one for you, coaches. How does somebody like a Carragher or a Vidic or someone, an old school defender, get on in a new system with a new VR, different route, like more offside? Yeah. Do they do better? Or do they do worse? That's a good question. Um, pace if you, you need to have pace if you're going to play high. Like how many? to be quick these days. Yeah, yeah. No, Matthew, you're spot on. You need to you need to have pace these days, and I think that's where teams are trying to catch up to a little bit. Like I think if you use the Man United analogy with Maguire and Lindelof, and Neville's talked about this a lot, and it's obvious. Like they're trying to do what everyone else is starting to do is play that high line, but you have two centre halves that. When they have to turn and go, that's literally their weak point. Lindelof a little bit better at it than Maguire, but that's their weak point. So it's, it's changing, how you, changing how you coach your team, recruit your players, the type of players that are needed in, in certain positions. Like Matthew said, I don't know how fast Vidic was or how fast Car- well, Carragher. Carragher definitely wasn't the quickest. Yeah. But, so, I mean, but it, it, I mean, it definitely has changed it for sure. I don't know how those guys would do, but I think Matthew said the nail on the head. To be a defender, especially a centre back, um, you need to have pace. Yeah, you're happy. You let Van Dijk sit at the back, let the whole team bomb forward. He's got enough pace to cover that striker. Oh, well, we yeah. do. Back in the we day, do. you could not leave Carragher back on his own. That kind no. of point. No, you couldn't. You couldn't leave like Carragher and Hoopia back there in a two. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you need three or four back there, so then they, the wingers they can't bomb forward. Yeah, and 
and, and, and at the same time, the attackers have changed too because your wingers, your quote-unquote wingers are now your, your strikers. So your, your absolute rapid players are now the players that are running in behind. Yeah, so, so if you want to play right or left back, you've got to be able to bomb forward. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think I think VR's changed that, but I also think the the um, evolution of football in a centre half has definitely changed that as well, though. Yeah, football's 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 changing anyway. And Do you think then Van Dyke could have played fifteen years ago when it was the pitches weren't as good quality? You have to be a bit harder, be a bit more tough. Van Dyke could do it truly. Yeah, he's good enough. Yeah. I think so. I think he... It's not like, as if he's soft. That's why he plays that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think he is... I think he could do it. I do. I think he could do it. But then Harry Aguirre, he'd struggle. Yeah, I, d- I think... I think, I think he might be better. I think he might be better because I was watching... When we watched the Everton game the other day and they're just trying to put it in the box, which is what they're trying to do with Hamas and Dinya into Calvert-Luna and it's worked. But I was saying to Matthew watching, I was like, that's literally... My, Maguire's main strength is to oh, get up and win headers. So I actually think Maguire would be better suited to football yeah. 2000 to 2010 and a little bit later because he, he would just have to defend. He wouldn't have to do anything else. Because he's got a heat like me. <laughs> big, <laughs> happy, big heat like Scotty. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think he would be better. I totally think he would be better um, playing, playing back in the day where, where you just yeah. had to defend. Because this is and this is this is one of the other things I want to talk about. Like defending is, defending's changed. Like defending has gone from being able to defend to literally play first, defend second. And and I'll be honest, I just coached uh, obviously in a different country for the last eight years. But there'd be so the weeks would go by where I'd be like, I haven't worked on a single thing of defending. Like I might have worked on like team pressing, but as an individual player, especially as, as people that were playing as my defenders. I never did defending with them. Like every time we did one v ones or two v twos or two v ones, it was so focused on the attacking part. So I think that's completely changed the game. And Mourinho, I saw Mourinho make a comment the other day on Sky where he said that um, that literally what I just said. He's like um, academies are teaching defenders to play first, like rather than defend first. So what I wanted to ask you guys and Matthew, maybe I'll I'll start with you because you've obviously done the coaching. Do you think like the balance has swung too far to the way, like too far one way to just playing? Or do you just think that's the way the game's going and people aren't really too fussed about the defending part? Uh, well, I think for a start, I always found, see like finding someone that wants to defend and you know there's the defender is kind of like someone that's just a natural goal scorer. Like, mm. the f- Teaching or coaching defending, I think, is really, really complex and um, it's quite difficult. So I think there's less natural people like kids or, you know, 89-year-olds that just want to defend um, because you've got, like, your typical superstars now, like your Mbappes, Ronaldo's Messi, they're all, like, attackers, right? Like... So, but I think um, I think the games evolve so much that if you're set a half now, or you're right or left back, um, well, to start, if you're right or left back, you're basically like you're you're involved in attacking a lot of the time. So, like the concern isn't defending; it's taking the risk of going forward mm. and then setting up to deal with that. And if you're set a half, it's being able to play out the back. 
And honestly, like, let's be honest, Guardiola has literally was such a big influence. He's an influence. That's what influencers do is like they shift the culture. He like, what he done at Barcelona completely shifted football and we're still like living in that. And I think it'll be like that for a while and it'll get even more complex to what he's done, but he started it. And that's just being able to play. And if you're saying about he plays as well play, because that's just now what people know. And if you can't do that, then you're going to struggle. He's even changed the Scottish game in that way. Hmm. So many Scottish teams are trying to play the ball from the back. And in my, I'm not a coach. In my opinion, they're not good enough to play from the back. Yeah. Scottish football used to be lump up the park, score goals, blah, blah, blah. But they're trying to play from the back. And some of the, like, the first touch, the passing ability isn't good enough to play from the back. But because, just as Matthew says, the culture's changed. They're trying to, every manager is trying to play proper football. But some teams just aren't good enough. Yeah. Not- he evolved it. He completely yeah. like we don't even realize how big it'll be for like, until twenty years from now. He completely changed the game. Like it was definitely going that way, but he took it next level and it took this massive jump. And then when that happens and there's success, everyone just follows what the successful team does. So then you follow that blueprint uh, philosophy of that, and it's completely shaped the game. Oh, that Spain team that won the Euros and the World Cup back to back—that was amazing. Yeah. But that was just yeah. the best football you'll ever see. It was. You're going to re- recreate that. On a Tuesday night in Hamilton against Rangers, like that's what happened. <laughs> in the pouring rain, the, 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 the pitch is shite. Yeah, I think like Greg, we we used to always like we always used to watch those Barca games, and it was like class to watch them. But I think like they've people don't understand that as well that from the outside in that that's the culture of Barcelona and always has been. Like before we were born, that's what Barcelona have done forever. Like they've tried to play that way, that system. Their kids from the age of six years old that are brought into an academy are not just, you know, coached to play that way. Like, mentally, that's the way they think about the game. Like, and I think people misunderstand that and just try and do it. And like you said, Scotty, you know, especially in Scotland, like, I've been watching sports scene and, it, and it's, I guess it's, part of me thinks it's a little bit better to watch sometimes and the ball just being up in the air and getting kind of lumped. But I just think you need to have a bit of a mix. Yeah, and you got you got to be able to. If you aren't good enough or it's not working that day, you need to be able to adapt. That's no, yeah. the only way you can play. Right? What did like Greg when you used to go watch like Granty play for Lothian? Like, what was the even? Re- I know that was how many years ago was that? Maybe what four or five? Yeah. What yeah. was what was like the typical? If you are like for like Granty's team, like what would Lothian Thistle like? You know, lower level. Like typically, were they were they trying to like do the things we're talking about? Keep the ball away from Grant. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the ball. To be honest, the ball was in the air a lot. Um, right. As you say, I mean, if you look at like, obviously, Granny's pretty, pretty good in the air. I remember going to one game, and I've never seen someone header it so much in my life. Mm. Um, they also had the advantage that they had a boy up front that was absolutely rapid. So it probably comes into the what Matthew's saying about just playing on the shoulder and not necessarily lumping it to him, but if you if you get the ball going over the top and you know that like. When they beat, um, was it Sterling Albion? They beat in the in the Scottish Cup one one year, and like their striker had fifteen yards on on their on the set on the Sterling Albion centre half. Yeah, um, and I think they were like five one up or something like that because they realised that they could just clip it over the top every single time, and this boy's not catching them. Mm. Um, but I suppose like the following round they played against St Mirren, and like St Mirren who were 
probably championship at the time. They were maybe top of the championship. They knocked the ball about pretty well, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but it kind of it stemmed from two or three guys that were, I think Grant would probably agree, were a league above the rest of the pitch. And yeah. That, that's including the St. Mirren boys. Like They had three, three players that were just considerably better than everyone else and everything went through those, those three guys. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, I, I think like, even at that level, you've got to remember that they're playing at like, they're playing at, um, at like tinier that where pitches are pretty wet, they're pretty soggy. You can't exactly play like fast flowing football across the floor, can you? Because pitches just don't allow it. Yeah, the, the, the pitch comes into play. It, it totally does. And, um, I just think that, for me, I've, I've told you guys a story about when I, I coached a game out in Cali and I covered for, for one of the boys. And, um, like, the team we played against was just better than, better than the team I was coaching. And if we tried to play, we would have got, got absolutely smashed. So they were so high. I just had the keeper play the centre-back. The centre-back played the ball over the top. You can call it a, a punt or whatever. In my opinion, it's a pass over the top to the striker because we told them what to do. And we beat this team 2-0 or 2-1. And the coach was fuming because he was like, you didn't try and play. And I'm like, that's just, that's just arrogance to think everyone should try and play because it's not the game. And I don't want to keep banting around about Liverpool because three, well, pretty much all of us are, are Liverpool fans, Scotty, Scotty more so Rangers. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you like watch Liverpool, I mean, Liverpool, how many times has Van Dijk or Gomez or right now Matib or Gomez? I mean, we just try and clip over the top to Salah Mane and almost just see what happens. Well, yeah, but... that front three, why would you not get the ball to them as quickly as possible? Exactly. If you've got a dodgy defence, you've got the best three attackers in the league. You don't have a... Henderson and Wijnaldum and Fabinho better yeah. on the ball than people give them credit for, but they're not Xavi, Busquets, Iniesta. Like, it, you're, you're playing to your team's strength of having three, well, certainly two in Salah Mane, incredibly fast forwards. That whose game is to get in behind people. Why would you try and play through to get like to get to them? Especially if Van Dijk's a good pass to the ball. It's not like a pun. Like as you yeah. say, he's picking a pass roughly, and he knows where it's going. He's not just hoofing up the pitch. Right? Yeah, and they do they do both. I think I remember listening to Gary Neville on um, that Guillaume Balahay's podcast a long time ago, like when podcasts were like not really a thing. And Neville said the best teams. If you look at all the best teams you know, throughout the last 20 years or whatever, they've been dominant in their leagues in Europe. They all have a mix of everything. They have fast players, they have strong players, they play, they can go big. Whatever you try and throw at them, they can come back at you and say, we can deal with it and play that way. Like every, if you look at Man United's best teams, they could do that. Even the misconception, again, about the Barcelona pep team is that when you, when you watch interviews of players that played against them, they're like, they would boot you and trip you and nip you and pull your shirt like, everything we just talked about that you can't do anymore, really. Like, they would, they would do all that stuff. So I just think there's a big misconception in the way that, like, youth, co- youth coaches coach football, certainly. I mean, I'm not going to – I'm in no position to tell anyone that coaches at a professional club on how they should do it. And, every, and like we've been saying, the best thing about football is isn't a right or a wrong, really. But play, play to your strengths, I think, is the big thing. And I just think there's a big misconception on that. And I think, like you said, Scotty, certainly in Scotland, is teams are trying to do that where maybe they can't do that and they're getting caught out and they're getting punished. And 
the end of the day, it's all right just to be a team that goes big. I mean, we're about to see Scotland play against Serbia on Thursday. If Scotland go through against Serbia by just punting the ball to all in at Bernie and Land- London Dykes and we go through, I mean, I, no one's complaining. What, what's, your thoughts, then? what's your thoughts on then, as you say, play to your strengths? But like, if you look at like Unai Emery's Arsenal side, mm. they didn't really have the players to like play out, play out the back. Um, as you say, like maybe like a City do or a Barca do. But like he was so determined to do that that like even as someone who couldn't really care about Arsenal, sometimes I'm sitting there watching them shitting myself just because I'm waiting for the guy to like class in it or something like that to make an absolute mess of it. Even when they were they used they used to come to Anfield and try and play it play out the back with like possibly against one of the best teams in a high press. Mm. And then but he was so determined. They they didn't really as you say, teams adapt, but they didn't really ever adapt. They would just be so determined to continue with that. Yeah, I think, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Matty can comment after me as well what he thinks, but you, they, didn't, they didn't adapt to it, right? And I think that you have to, you have to adapt. And, and I just think that for me, certainly as a coach, when you look at t- to keep Arsenal like Arteta, I mean, I don't know if you guys disagree with me, but they're trying to do that and at times still look dodgy, but it looks like they know what they're supposed to be doing and it's been coached quite well that if they recruit well and get the correct players in, like that Thomas Party that they've got in already who looks like he's made them better, like then you can continue to keep doing that. I think like recruitment and the coaching part, as long as there's a plan there in place and you're going to stick to it and you're going to improve it by players and your coaching, then it's okay to do that. And I think fans have to accept that that takes time. I don't know what you think about it, Matthew, what Greg just said. Oh, you have to evolve and adapt and place your strengths. Like, I don't know why he try to play out the back when he doesn't have guys that are comfortable to try and play out the back. And to try and ask them to do that, it's, it's never going to work. Like, Liverpool bought midfielders that are good at winning the second ball because our, literally, like, our main tactic is to win the second ball. Yeah. We literally play midfielders that win the second ball. That's why Kato's like, doesn't get a game as much anymore because he can't win the second ball. So Klopp buys players that are able to win the second ball in midfield because that's what we're trying to do. But if you have a back four that you're trying to play at the back and they can't play at the back, I just don't, I just don't understand it. Yeah. I, I go on to you, Josh, right? Yeah. So you're talking about there, like, in Arsenal, they'll try and buy the personnel that can play football, that can pass it about. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Yogi Hughes' team in Inverness, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know any of the players. They're they're not world class, are they? They're not friendly no, football. No, no, yeah, of course. It, but they properly pass it about. They shifted about. They could play that football at times. But is it becoming? Is that down to a coach coaching them better, coaching the system better, like understanding how the system works, or is it because those players weren't the best in the world? But they yeah. could pass it about. But then sometimes, like you see Arsenal, they're struggling. Is it because yeah. the coach doesn't understand that philosophy properly? Like he's he's watched a few Barcelona games, gone right. We're going to pass it about now. But it doesn't know how to coach it properly, or it doesn't know how to change it. Or I think I think it's a bit of both. I think it's. Why can some teams do it? Some teams can't. Yeah, I think it's one. I think it's one. The coach is not fully understood on the. F- I think whatever you do as a coach, and even even if you're like, it, it doesn't even need to be in football. You could be running a business or whatever. Whatever you do, you need to fully know what you're doing and believe in it, and kind of know how to get there, and then like obviously adapt along the way. And I think some people just think that, right, we're going to play back four, split our centre-halves, we play 4-3-3, three, three, 
we have our six drop in and we play and you just kind of expect the players to be able to do it. I think it's that. And I think B, I just think it's, I just think it's, I think that it's man management. I think it's getting the players to believe in it. I think that the big thing in football and sport that the, um, you can, you can tell me on this that I don't know exactly, but if, it, if you're winning games, the players are going to buy into it. And if you're not winning games, players aren't going to buy into it. And, and the most importantly, the fans aren't going to buy into it if you're not winning. Mm-hmm. So you have to go through a bit of pain and obviously through with Liverpool I mean from 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 being watching Liverpool and I'm sure Greg and Matthew would agree with me when Klopp first came in you could tell there was something there but what we've just said you didn't have the players Skirtle couldn't do it Agar couldn't do it whoever it may be Lucas Leiva couldn't do it like decent players but you could see there was something there and everyone from the outside looking in was like I don't get it I don't see what Klopp's doing he's he's it's not working, but I think as a fan, you looked at it and thought, there's, you can see even though the players can't do it, Lucas Leva believed in it. Skirtle believed in it. Lovren believed in it. Sacco believed in it. And after, you know, then you, then you kind of recruit players and it's kind of a DNA, like a mentality, a mindset in the squad that this is what we're going to do. And you just kind of improve the players along the way. I mean, we've been chatting about this in the last few days about Firmino and Jota. Like Liverpool, Liverpool at some point, and this is the season I think they're going to have to, you're going to have to evolve. And I think that right now, Jota looks better suited to Liverpool changing how they play a little bit than Roberto Firmino does. In yeah, my, I would agree. In my opinion. And that's, I love Bobby to death and I wouldn't have a bad word said about him, but you have to adapt and you have to evolve and you have to change the way. And Diego Jota right now is looking like he might be, how he plays might be a good way for Liverpool to change because now you just have three guys that are running at you all the time, running behind, and now teams have to adapt again to play it and change how they play it because after a certain amount of time, no matter how good you are, teams work you out. Teams definitely work you out. Um, what do you think about it, Matthew? Obviously, coming from a coaching perspective as well about what Scotty just said. I think the biggest thing about Firmino is... Um, uh, because of our success and the way we've dominated, teams play differently against us. So I think the main man that affects is Roberto Firmino. Because like if you remember, even last year, two years ago, we used to like, we used to play on the counter attack all the time. Mm. And Firmino's good at that because if we're playing on the counter attack and they're slightly up, Firmino can find those little pockets. He's got room. But now I feel like, I mean, it's fucking Liverpool won the Premier League, won the Champions League. Teams tend to sit in against us, so he doesn't really have, and, he, and it's crowded in his little. He tries to he try finds his little pockets, and it's like it's tough for him. So you see him dropping all the way to Fabinho to get it. Like it doesn't really. So I just, I just think it's really unfortunate that teams have evolved. When they see Liverpool, they're like, "We're doing this," and it was different to what they were going to do two years ago. And it just doesn't. It just uh, it just unluckily doesn't suit him. Yeah, and then I think to like to, to continue that on with Scott's question, what he was asking is like now now the coach has to change and adapt to how the other teams are playing and how it's going for you and get the players in that you think are gonna be best suited to now play against teams that defend that way against you. Um which I think the big thing is another one one other thing to finish off on the on the kind of defending part of it or the player part of it is that which I don't know how we'll see the impact of it change, but obviously it came into America a year or two before it did here. But kids can't header the ball now until they hit 12. 
which I, I think too, I mean, you can, scientifically, there might be some stats out there about brain damage or whatever, but there's a lot of people that have played football that are okay. Have you been playing football for like thousands of years? <laughs> hundreds of years. Yeah, you've seen what's done to Americans, mate. Donald Trump was running the country for four years. Stop yeah. kids head on football. <laughs> yeah, true. That is true, mate. I, mean, I just think, yeah. I, I would maybe dive, I would maybe personally, before I make any formal judgment on it, but I would probably dive into, uh, dive into the science a little more, but why would it suddenly take this long and suddenly change now? Like, we're in 2020, like, I'm, I'm not having it. <laughs> mate, I'm not having it. Schools that header walls, mate. You can header a football. It's know, good man. for a kid. It's like, it's good for a, a kid to, to challenge a ball and get over that fear and allow them to know if they like getting stuck in or like, or even the or even the ability to like attack a header like when you're like that age development is huge like to be able to like work on like attacking a header into the ground or clearing a header or like glancing a header you now literally can't learn to do that until you're what twelve and it's development is pretty far on yeah it's quite uh, a big no, deal I agree what do you think about it Greg I agree with everything you said to be honest I think. I mean, I would argue that we all headed footballs when we were younger and we all turned out fine, but maybe not in some cases. I, but, I don't know. But uh, no, I just think it's not... I think they start looking into things too much. I think, like, not to chat shite, but kids are maybe, like, protected too much nowadays in terms of that. Yeah, massively. Thing. Far too protected. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like... Culture changed. Like, nothing wrong with, like, falling over every now and again. Or it's it's minging. See, if you need to watch a game... Of under 12 and like let's say there's some big fat kid at the back who just can twat it forward from a goal kick no one no kid can attack the ball and head it so it bounces but it bounces like five times and it's like it's lenders literally turns into like a goal mouth scramble <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> well not help kids play football though they'll pass it about keep it on the deck well i think that's partly part of the reason of it but I, I just think about what we've been saying. Surely, like, surely it does the opposite. They can't head it, fucking smash it. Yeah, just twat it up in the air and let it bounce. Yeah. It, oh, yeah there's no, so many fair. problems. That's yeah. fair. I think, but again, I just think that it's just... They're not, not, not going to be like, Johnny, you can't head the ball, pass it from the back. <laughs> like, That's Johnny, what they call it, soccer, not football. Kick it forward. Uh, <laughs> it's... it's uh, like I, like I said earlier, it's it's a different football is going to be so much different when the kids that are doing playing with all this that we're talking about, you know, in the next fifteen years, it's going to be it's going to just be a completely different game. The, Wait, is that real here, Josh? I England and Scotland as well. Yeah, twelve. I googled really? that. Yeah, I googled that. I imagine some Scottish boy has been happier with that. No, twelve year old can stick the nut in his mate in a fight, but he can't head her a ball. Correct, mate. World's <laughs> gone, man. <laughs> World has gone mad, mate. Um, last thing I wanted to chat about, which I think is really important, um, that's totally changed the game from a fan point of view, from pressure on coaches to players, you know, everyone, is social media um, and probably most specifically Twitter. Um, how do, Greg, how do you think it's, do you think that's had an impact on the game? Like fan, you know, from anywhere from fans to, to managers, to players, like, I, I mean, what do you think about it? Huge in terms of, like, first of all, players, they can't get away with doing anything these days. Like, no. 
if you look like not obviously necessarily football but like if you look at like that um, michael jordan documentary that was on netflix he he could get away with like anything back then because it wasn't going to end up on twitter where like nowadays you see like jack wilshire smoking a fag outside some club in london and it's ended up it ends up plastered all over twitter with people commenting on it and stuff so i think in terms of that football like players themselves need to be so much more not mature because i don't think there's anything wrong with like enjoying yourself obviously but oh yeah but players just need to be so much more wary of that kicking about Mm. um and then in terms of like fans like let's be honest does your head in it like when liverpool got beat 7-2 off of villa the other week you go on twitter and you're reading it and you're like as you say you've won the league last year and you've got fans of other teams commenting ripping the piss out of your team and you're like well you have done fuck all what like yeah and it and it i suppose it just winds you up but at the end of the day there's probably loads of liverpool fans that would do the exact same if like united get beat uh, actually to be fair a lot of liverpool fans were probably tweeting because united had been scudded 45 minutes earlier um, but yeah in terms of that like it, ob- it obviously brings a lot of like positives in terms of obviously all the videos that you get and like watching um transfer news and even just team news and stuff like that but then at the same time it is just a, a platform to pretty much wind people up at the end of the day which i think is probably is yeah. what it is but probably a bit of a negative what about you scotty what do you think i think so as a rangers fan right i mean you go to all the games and you sit next to the guy who's the manager he knows everything about every player he's slagging them off constantly if we're not winning he's slagging off tavernier he's having a fish game he goes on Twitter and puts on the exact same things. And if people can read that, people start believing that, that can change the culture. Mm. Like, it's so, everyone's got an opinion on Twitter. And they're at, they're like, your local joiner is, can go on Twitter and tweet like he's the manager, slag off every player. I think it's so bad for the culture of football. Yeah, no, I it's agree. So, I have an opinion. I agree. It's definitely got that big call. What do you think about it, Matthew, overall? Oh, no, I agree with Scott. I just think when you, I just think Twitter as a whole, when you have a platform, I don't think us as human beings in a society should be it's good for us when we have a platform where you can take in so many different opinions on a subject. Like, I just don't think we're that advanced yet to be able to do that. So I, I do think it's a bit just, I, I, don't, I don't really get it, hence why I don't have Twitter at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think that, I think the big thing about it for me is like one, I feel like on, on Twitter, one win, for example, let's take like Arsenal the other week against Man United, right? Winning 1-0. One win and, and the perception is like, and, 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 a, and a big game as well. The perception is, and the chat is like, oh, look at, you know, look at Arsenal. I'm not just picking on Arsenal. You could pick any other games. That's on the top of my head. And everyone's like buzzing about it and Arsenal are looking good. And then all of a sudden they, they go with Aston Villa the next week and get beat 3-0. And, it's the complete opposite and fans are moaning and Arteta this and Arteta that. Like, I just think it switches the perception from a weekly basis onto managers, which ultimately can lead to managers getting sacked. <laughs> when, yeah. like, people, we, we sat here and talked about, like, the coaching part of you, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a process and you can't go off of football on a week-to-week basis. And like you just said, Scotty, it's giving people that like a moan a voice and and people kind of take things like that and they run with it. And I mean, it's it's made it. Think how much more 
think how much more difficult of a job it is now being, you know, a player as well, we get an abuse, don't get me wrong, which we can talk about, but being a manager, I mean, the pressure is heaped on you on a I weekly basis. I got Twitter. Cause I know. Like, look at, night, perfect. I was literally about to say, like, look at Solskjaer, like one week, Man United are amazing. And then the next week he should be sacked. I mean, I can't imagine like being in his shoes right now. It must be hard. I said this to Greg the other day, like, I bet you Solskjaer is a lovely bloke, like a really nice guy. Hmm. But I can go on Twitter, tweet something, call him anything under the sun. He could read that. And how depressed does that make him? Mm. I've never met the guy, but I, but I'm sitting here, an absolute nobody in the world of football can comment on the way he's working. And have no facts about it either. Like, yeah. thing that I don't get as well is people make like judgments and comments on certain things in that when like they have no idea what the facts are. Like, you have no idea why whoever X Y Z isn't starting at the weekend, and it's straight away oh. it's on the bandwagon of like get him out, like this formation, this team. Like, you haven't seen the team in training that week. You don't know that whoever has a knock. You don't know that whoever, like, yeah. mentally or, or yeah. the strengths playing against that left winger is in X. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much that goes to it. And it's just this diluted environment of, like, I don't even I know if negativity is the right word. It's just, I don't know. Wolf Sky knows his team better than I do. I've never seen my United train. There's a reason he's starting Fred yeah, he or There's a re- He's doing that. He's not just doing it for a laugh. Like. He, he also knows. He also knows what player is. He's played at an extremely yeah. high level. He's played with some of the best players ever. Yeah. Like, he's not like football daft, but as a Rangers recently, they got Jordan Jones, right? A really good, really good winger, but he's never been playing. And then last week goes out and breaks COVID rules, goes to a party, puts the whole season in jeopardy. There's a reason he's not been playing all season. It's not because yeah, no, nah, that's probably terrible. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and if he's really good point. training or he's been a dickhead at training, he's not getting a game. Like, yeah, it's a good point. The the biggest the biggest issue about it, a big con for me about it is, and I've definitely done this. I'm sure we all have. I certainly have. Maybe over more people get emotional and put yeah, a tweet out. Yeah, few 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 wines, few few tennis down the end. Yeah, we tweet, but the biggest thing for me is that nowadays people don't even see the game, and then they go on Twitter, and that's the reflection of the game. So, mm-hmm. um, I had Matthew. You, I think you were, you were in the group as well. One of our pals texted us who was working in America. He's a Man United fan. He'll know who he is when I send him this. But he wasn't watching the game. And I put, I put this down here. He's put, McTominay mustn't be playing well because he's getting torn to pieces on Twitter. And then he was like, I don't like McTominay. And I was watching the game. And it was the Arsenal game. And don't get me wrong, he, he gave the ball away a couple of times. But he, I thought... Overall, he was doing what his job was in there to do, was to win the ball back for, for Man United. And because this person has seen this on Twitter, because he's working, that's his view on the game. And then, you know, he's had a long day. He's probably not going to go home and watch the whole game, is he? He's going to go home and watch the highlights. So it completely changes people's perspective on the game without actually ever watching it. And I think that something I've tried to do um, for the last while is just, like, if, if you haven't watched the game, and even if, you, even if you've only watched highlights, you shouldn't... It's hard to comment on it because it's not fair. You haven't seen it in the context. No word of a lie, right? Uh, last week, I was watching Rangers-Benfica game. You boys mm-hmm. watched it. So Rangers 1-0 down, getting hammered. He's going on 5-0. My dad, massive Rangers fan, so he says, is the way he cooks dinner. <laughs> he comes in 1-0 down. Oh, we're fucking shite. Aye. He comes in at halftime. We've had a player sent off. Rangers 3-1 up. He goes, oh, Rangers are a great team, aren't they? <laughs> I was like, yeah, they're fucking like... Generally not, they haven't included the boys who've been sent off. 
Yeah, that's his comments on Rangers. Like, yeah. Imagine he had Twitter. I know. <laughs> I know. I just think. Imagine I just think. The world. I just think for me that's the biggest con to it is that people have these opinions on football and they're quite strong about it without without actually watching it and. Um, one thing I've tried to do since I've come back is watch watch as much as I can sports scene or match of the day and that, and then you have a you have a relatively fair fair reflection on it, and you're not just going off of what folk are saying on Twitter and Instagram, um, which is far. Which imagine, is. Like, Scotty. You imagine Scott McTominay watches you at a day in the bank and then goes home and tweets about you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> watch you working at the bank. Go that Greg Olson's a fucking. Don't get <laughs> don't get Greg imagine. on a Monday. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a boring day for the guy. To <laughs> Imagine he was able to do that. Like, you'd be like, what the fuck? To be fair, just, just to go back to what you said about McTominay and, and your mate, like, obviously, he probably did give the ball away a, a few, maybe a few too many times in that game, whatever. But I, I read something the other day. Bruno Fernandes gave the ball away 37 times in that game. Mm. Was on Twitter. And because he, don't get me wrong, he's obviously a bit of a game changer. He's obviously a bit of a baller, but he... No one really mentions him because they know that the following week he what scores two and gets an assist against Everton. Yeah, forgotten about where McTominay's McTominay's a completely different player. He's obviously not going to create as many chances, score as many goals. But like that'd be like your mate technically saying, "Oh, I don't like Bruno Fernandez purely because of what he's read on Twitter that day." Of mm. well, I mean, but at the same time, you can you've got to understand that um, everyone goes on Twitter and makes judgments. Of course, it's part of it. It's part of it. There's no change in it. I think that the biggest thing is that what you just said there is is it's a week. It's a week to week basis, and people kind of change their opinion. And I think ultimately, what you need for your team to be successful, realistically, is you gotta get behind the manager and the team and be positive about it. And Twitter and so and Instagram, social media, plays a part in football now, and it doesn't help. I mean, look at Man United. Are, I generally don't think Man United are being helped by how their fans are on social media with how back and forth it is. Like, just pick one way or the other. Like, either he's in or he's out, yeah. Solskjaer. And at least that way, you're all kind of singing from the same hymn sheet. But you can, look at, you can look at that same with Arsenal. I think Chelsea's fan base seems fairly positive on Lampard and are down to give him time. And I think you can see that in the team. Like they look, they look like they're getting a bit of time to settle and a bit of time to gel. And I just think that when people are constantly flipping back and forth, a uh, fan base, it has a massive impact on the team. Would, would you argue that, say someone that just, let's just take, because we're on Man United, let's just take them for example. Someone that goes to Old Trafford every weekend mm. and pays 80 quid a ticket, so they're spending God knows how much a year. Did they have the right to go home and moan on Twitter because they paid that amount of money to go and watch it live? or? Yeah, just think they should keep off Twitter. No, I think I think I think every, I think everyone has the right to moan on Twitter. I just think that the issue is is that typically what we do as people and humans is you always go towards the negative because it's like it's more gossips like better than just like a good thing said. So I just think that you have to learn how to manage it as a fan, as a player, as a manager. I mean, if I was a manager or a player, it's harder probably for a player because they've grown up with it, but certainly as a manager, I mean, I wouldn't go anywhere near it because I think you just need to have your, your opinion and what you're trying to do with the team and stick to it and not listen to all those outside voices. So I think everyone gets a, get, has the right to moan, especially the, the fan that goes and pays God knows how much money every week to watch a game. You have the right to moan, but I just think it's more like 
as a fan of the club, you need to be doing more than just reading your Twitter and seeing what is on there for your judgment of your team. Yeah. Uh, human nature and culture as a British Scottish person is so easy to go and criticize somebody. But it's mm. so hard to go and praise somebody. Like we love when people fail. So easy to totally. go off and go negative. But there's not enough lovers in the world. There's too many fucking haters. <laughs> we need we need a lot a lot more lovers, Scotty. But how how depressed is Scottish like and English Twitter? Like Yeah. What was his moaning, and as soon as the team does bad, they just love to criticise and hate. Hundred percent. Right. We've said that about the Scottish national team. Like Matthew, I think it was you that said it was the players say that they're enjoying like being under Steve mm-hmm. Clark and that. And as much as we think as fans, ultimately the players that are on the pitch with the manager every day. If they say that, then we should all probably go. Well, we've got to get behind it, regardless of what we think. But the negativity towards Scotland, Matthew, is oh. is the national team is probably the probably one of the worst. I don't know if you, anybody you know, but like, what what is it Twitter like in Spain, Germany, and stuff? Like, surely they're not sitting there tweeting slagging Barcelona and like the culture of the game, like because they're Nah, because I think they do. I just I think it's human nature to moan and complain, and social media's social media. It's not human nature. It's just um, Twitter's a platform where like, like I said, we're not like humans aren't. We're not built for that. It's not meant to be like that. It ruins the whole idea of an. It also ruins the whole idea of an open conversation and an open-minded conversation, and defines the difference between a, a debate and an argument. Like folk can't debate anymore because it's just so opinionated. Yeah. Instead of like me listening to Greg, who I'm debating with, and actually taking on to what he's saying, compared to like, no, like Twitter creates Twitter creates that like atmosphere. Mm. On Twitter, you can literally block or unfollow somebody if you don't like what they're tweeting. Like if you yeah. don't like what they say to you, block them. For sure. And I think, I mean, I think um, to kind of piggyback off what, what we've just said is that we've just spent the last 15 minutes talking about social media and we've gone to all the negatives, right? Like it's just easier to go to all the negatives. Greg, Greg made the point at the start, like there's, there's good things about it. You get to see the, you get to see the highlights and the clips and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, all, 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 the, all the great things that come with it. It's got, it's got two sides to it, but I just think that, Social media has definitely changed how, how the game is now because I think there's so much pressure on managers and teams and, and a player when they sign to like immediately hit the ground running. Like I'll do, I do this too. If Liverpool are signing a player or signing a player that I'm not sure about, I'll go on YouTube and watch highlights of them. But like yeah. realistically, like I can't judge him until he gets on the pitch. He's had time to train with the team. He's got himself into the team. He knows what he's doing. But because I've seen these videos on YouTube, I assume I know what I'm getting. And that could lead to me being like, oh, he's not doing it, he's shite. It was a shite signing. But you need to give them time to bed in. Um, but on the flip side of it, it's great that you can go and watch a player that you've never heard of and yeah. see what they like before they come in. It's got good and bad. It's no surprise that if you look at it, like how many managers or players have Twitter? Not many. Not many. What do, you, what do you, this came to my head now, what do you think of Mourinho and his whole Instagram thing? Yeah, it's weird. It's, it doesn't suit him, does it? Doesn't suit nah. him. Like, like, no, oh, it's not. Did you see what? the one he put up on the bus the other day? No. It was, like, it was like a photo of him sat in the front seat. He was like, "I hope everyone on this bus is unhappy as I am." Training tomorrow, ten a.m. Boys or something. Like what? That. And that's I, on his own Instagram. That's on his own Instagram. It's like, but it's like, it's like he's taking the piss out of the fact that it's weird. Like, I don't, I don't like it. Man, I think, I think he said in an interview to his. Um, Endorsements or his, um, yeah, what are they called sponsors. like his sponsors and that. Um, 
you know, I think they obviously make money off it. So they got his Instagram going. He's obviously got millions of followers straight off oh, the bat. Yeah, but like, I, like that post, I thought, I'm like, I don't think managers should get involved with that. Like posting on a photo yeah. of him on the bus being like, oh, got beat, not good enough. Boys are coming to training at 10 a.m. tomorrow when they're meant to have the day off. Like, that I just don't think fair. managers should be doing that. To be fair, I'd, I'd argue no one over the age of 40 should be on social media. <laughs> was it not? Was it Gattuso that said he was like, when I got beat, I'd go and sit in the change room, wouldn't speak to anybody for two days. Now kids put a photo of, on Instagram, put a yeah. selfie of them, and it's like, <laughs> no, it's true. Oh, it's an old school mentality, but it's changed. It's changed the game. So now, as a manager, you have to manage your players differently, right? Like, like you boys have said it before. You go on like any Liverpool's players' Instagram, and all it is is them playing football or at training or on the Liverpool shirt. Isn't it's not like what they're doing on their days off or. You go on trends. Everyone's just him playing football. Yeah, geared towards Liverpool. Yeah, I think I think that I think that's a big thing, which we'll talk about on on another one when we do it. But um, like I think like I think clubs now have to like think about, or certainly a manager. I think someone that thinks about it as much as Klopp does, or Pep does, or like a Pochettino does. All these top managers. I think you need to look at the player and how they are on their social media and determine whether like that's going to fit your group or not. I think that comes into recruitment these days. I think that's how deep they go. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to make yourself look like an idiot on social media, isn't it? Massively, and it and it affects the team. But um, what was Shakiri wearing, by the way? Did anyone see his Instagram? <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, when he was leaving out. After this, go look at now when he's he's arrived in Denmark, or whatever. Go look at what he's wearing. Big, what a big, player! What a player, by the way. But mate, great, what is he wearing? Great player is Big Shaq. Um, yeah, I've seen your scarf, young man. All right, they're poor, mate. They're poor. Well, that'll, that'll make an appearance on the show soon. Aye, right. get that, get that on, mate. I want to see that on one of the next shows. Wait though. for the colder nights. My house is about hundred degrees, and I'm sweating my cunt off. Uh, Matthew, how, how many, how many outfits did you try on before coming on? I actually didn't have time to try on any, mate. So you know, I didn't even you, do my hair. You've picked, you've picked well, to be fair. Are we? We'll get a wee plug for Callan Forrest, though. Callan Sal on Friday morning, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Callan Sal on Friday morning, mate. Shout Callan. <laughs> that's what it is for. Right, lads. Well, I think that's what everything I thought I thought we should cover. Um, I think that one of the reasons I kind of want to do this, to be honest, is because certainly for me and you guys are the same. Is that we've all grown up loving football and we love we love the game. And I think we're kind of in that in between generational gap where we've seen what it was like a little bit before, and then obviously, but we've grown up with it you know, to, to be what it is at now. So we're comfortable with social media, but we also know what it's like without it, for example, and, and how the game used to be. So I just think we're at a good, at a good you know, kind of age in life where we can kind of give good opinions on both sides of things without being, as Matthew said earlier, too opinionated and be quite open about it. But um, that was decent. I enjoyed that. Something to do, something to do in lockdown. Score prediction. What's that? We Scotland score prediction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up for that. Go on then, Scotty. You can. What do you think it's going to be? Ah, Serbia, Scotland. Up to Scotland. We'll have to start our army, but I'm going two one Serbia. <laughs> oh, mate, it's a shambles. Out, Stevie got out. I'm going on Twitter right now. <laughs> Aren't Does you it go? Bit? It goes. It goes to penalties. Aye. Aye. I'm going. I'm going penalties. Scotland win. Greg. Don't know, but I wouldn't fancy being the Scotland player that has to take a pen. Imagine the pressure on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penenka, last minute. I think I think Steve Clark puts on a masterclass. We win one now. 
Ooh, I like it. Boring game to watch. I like it. I'm going. I'm going after extra time. Scotland win two one. Lee Griffiths bags the winner. Oh, that's not a bad show. That's what I'm yeah, going. Yeah. Scotland, Scotland in the Euros. Me, Greg, and Scotty are watching them play in Rome while Hobbes gets married. <laughs> not even going to the wedding. <laughs> not even at the wedding. Sorry, Vanessa. We're not going. Well, to the Scotland for the Saturday. We're not going. Nah. <laughs> We'll be that. We'll be there. I. We'll be there after. Sponsored by Tenants. Ah, uh, that's the first. That's the first plug. That's the first plug. Tenants. Tenants. We want a sponsor. That's 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 the goal. Tenant sponsor. Agreed. Right. Well, that was decent, boys. I appreciate it. That was good. When we do next, next one. I will do. Yeah, we'll do. I'll check out and um, everything, and we'll do another one. Uh, we'll do another one in the next few days or whatever. We'll just we'll just keep going with it. One score. Right. One. Aye, right, one Scotland have won. One Scotland in the Euros, mate. On a Tartan army. On the Tartan army. Boys. Right, lads. Appreciate All right. it. Yes. Cheers to that, boys. Speak to you tomorrow. See you later. See you.